Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have you and shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, the man with the plan behind this podcast as well. And we're excited to continue doing these Zoom interviews, allowing us to connect with people across the country, but also staying close to the roots of Greenville, South Carolina where this podcast is filmed. And of course, if you're in Greenville, you already know who my guest is today. Jazz Rosales on the podcast. It's a great, great blessing to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to see your face and you're always smiling, which is so contagious. So thank you. Nice. Hey, listen, if there's anything you're going to catch from me, I'd rather you catch the good vibes than anything. I know, right? (laughs) Pun intended. Not to make light of a tough situation for some folks, but of course, we like to stay positive and have some fun. For anybody that might not be in the Greenville, South Carolina area, shout out to our listeners in Germany. I see y'all over there. France, appreciate you guys supporting. But they might not have had the pleasure of meeting you, Jazz. So why why not tell them who you are really quick and what it is you do? Of course. Well, my name is Jazz Rosales, that he said. And yes, Jazz, it is short for Jasmine. Um, I just go by Jazz. It's just easier to communicate. Um, I was born in New York, but I'm half Panamanian, Guatemalan. Uh, so pure Latina, Spanish is my first language. Um, and I currently own a business. It's called Just Another Season Productions. So we do a lot of uh, marketing, advertisement um, for a lot of small owners. We've definitely gotten into a very great niche right now, which has been uh, real estate. The real estate industry has become a big passion of mine. Um, I've always wanted to invest in that arena. So being able to help uh, real estate agents grow their ROIs and their businesses um, has been great. And um, it's just been a fun ride uh, ride right now. It's been difficult, I'm not going to lie to you, but definitely the business has picked up and, and, and I'm glad that People are just appreciating each other more, especially now that we recently talked about just kind of virtually coming yeah. together. And I'm, I'm an actress, singer, songwriter. I mean, I love it all. I love the arts. Anything that's good I'm there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone, say produ- Someone say production? I'm on my way. <laughs> and we were talking about uh, before the podcast how important family was for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I think my first question, because when you say Spanish was your first language, I love asking this to a lot of my friends who have Spanish as their first language. How did you learn English? Well, that's a good question. I think I learned it in school. Uh, I mean, just kind of hearing it um, and then you just kind of put words together or sometimes you assimilate and you get some of the concepts of what people are saying through body language. So I talk with my hands. Yeah. So I kind of just get the idea and just kind of go, um, go off. It's just body language and, and things like that. Like, I can't tell you, well, this is exactly how it happened. Um, but it was just listening a lot and listening to a lot of English soaps, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, just a lot of English TV. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I had an idea that it had to do with TV because a good friend of mine, he learned English by watching Scooby-Doo. So Uh, (laughs) um, that's why I always ask that because I get an interesting uh, answer, which usually does have to do with someone's favorite show. So soap operas. I'll I'll give that one to General Hospital. That was my (laughs) (laughs) joke. So talk about, I guess, being from New York, coming to Greenville, South Carolina and getting on an entrepreneurial 
kind of, uh, I want to say role. Mm-hmm. Where does that bug come from? Where does that, I guess, that itch start? Was it at a young age? Were you always doing this or was it something recent? Well, to be honest with you, I've always had that inside of me. Um, and I had the example of my parents. My parents were very, they were never business owners, but they were very hard workers. And one of the biggest things in my family is, you know, you're going to have to work hard for what you want to attain in life, right? There's no easy road and there's no shortcut that ends to the goal that you eventually want for yourself and your family. So I've seen them with my grandmother, the way she hustled, you know, just taking care of us as my mother went out to work and hustle growing up. And it was just, and my dad, I mean, hours and hours he spent in just learning his crafts. He didn't really have a lot of like schooling perhaps, but he was very attentive to learn to perfect his craft. So um, we moved here to New York. It was very difficult for me. Um, I grew up with the roots of theater and all of that. Like I sung, I wrote music and, and all of that in New York and carry that here. But it was different. It was a different environment for me because in New York, the speed of life is different. The diversity is different. The way you communicate with one each other was pretty normal for me. Here, it wasn't the same way. So it was very trying to learn this new culture, trying to be politically correct. Like there was a lot of things that I've had to do differently. And then it happened that even in trying to do that, I offended more people than I wanted to, you know? So it it was just really getting to know people here and and things like that. But eventually I decided to um, go into the uh, legal aspect of the world. So work as a paralegal for many years, um, you know, due to personal experiences uh, with my cousins and things like that, did law for many years. And then I went into corporate law, so became a compliance officer of a franchise company. But I still had that eagerness of, oh, my gosh, I want to do something for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I found my most biggest passion when I worked in different movies, Hollywood movies. And that was, oh, my gosh, it was great. You know, being able to work with A-lister celebrities was amazing. And then from there, you know, running small businesses here, like being the right arm of several small business owners, you know, helping them their marketing stuff. But again, when you have that inside passion, you need to kind of get out, you know, like it's, it's really hard for you to work for somebody else when that little thing is inside of you. So last year I decided to just branch out and use all of my gifts and assets and build my business. And like yeah. everything is hasn't been easy at all. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't been easy. <laughs> I can imagine. And that's really the biggest jump and the biggest risk is because, I mean, you you end up getting to a spot where you realize that uh, so many people are investing in you and they're paying for for you. So why not invest in yourself if other companies have, have taken that leap? There are a lot of things I wanted to unpack. I mean, we, we start with the work ethic that we get from parents, but that kind of transitioned. I remember when we were talking about um, our life. And I mentioned that because just like I'm sure you shot, you were shining as a paralegal and in corporate law, and then you got into the movie set and you saw all these bright lights around you. You said, this is where I finally fit in, you know, and now and I'm talking about the bright lights, not as the lights, but as the people. And what we realize is sometimes when we're in an environment where the lights might not be as bright, we dim ourselves. How hard was it to kind of like go from a transition of, no longer dimming your light, uh, being apologetic for who you are and actually being comfortable as, as jazz that we all know and love. Yeah, it, it takes a process, Ted. It really does because initially um, 
we try to fit in, right? We try to be liked by other people. That's just kind of where we gravitate. We want to hear those gratifications and to be, you know, to know that we are loved and we care about. But at the end of the day, I feel like every hurdle we go through, you obtain your own jewels, right? And in those jewels, eventually you'll find your biggest gem, which in reality is yourself. And you grab those jewels and you just built on that. And it, like you said, it builds a very crisp, shiny um, uh, gem, you know? And at some point you can withhold your gift. I feel that's an injustice to the world and the people around you to limit yourself because of somebody else's stigma of who you're supposed to be, of how you're supposed to talk, how are you supposed to act. So many times I've been told, Jazz, um, you're just too much. Your energy is too much. Jazz, you're too loud. You're too, 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 right? And at the end of the night, it does, if you're not mentally, like, prepared for that, like, there's times I was like, really, God, like, I wish, I wish I was a little bit different then. I wish I was accommodating. I wish I was more, you know? Yeah. But when you try to be something that you're not, it's, it, it's just not fair to you. It takes more energy yeah. to be something <laughs> that you're not than to just be yourself and not even have to worry about what anybody else thinks. Yeah. And I think that when you the truth, it's there's freedom in that. And then everything you do is become passionate. And, and it's like, you know, it's like naturally just falls out your fingers effortless. Yeah. And, and you just have to own it, own who yeah. you are. You know, I, I love the quote um, by Nietzsche. I think he said, those who were caught dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. Okay. And, and the thing I love about that quote, it's one of my favorite quotes because, you know, I know that feeling. One of my favorite things to do is dance. Like, and I'm not talking about the proper technique, ballet, dance, or jazz dance. I'm talking about no training whatsoever. I'm just out there moving my hips, having a good time, smiling and throwing yeah. my arms around type dancing. And I remember at a very young age, someone was like, oh, stop showing off. And I stopped dancing that way for a very, very long time. And then when I finally, I got a little older and I might've had a little alcohol, might've been a little, <laughs> but I, I, I let my dance out again and I'm just having fun. And someone was like, man, you look so happy when you dance. It makes me happy. <laughs> and that was my first transition into, well, by me being who I am, I can be happy and other people can enjoy themselves too. I mean, that sounds like a win-win if I've ever heard it. I want to yeah. talk about the time you spent as a paralegal because um, I know we've had a lot in common. I think we spoke about this when we sat down for lunch a while back. I worked at a law firm also doing uh, billing. Those, though I'm thankful for the job and I, I was thankful for the opportunity at the time, it was not for me. What were those years like as mm -hmm. a paralegal and in corporate law, um, kind of knowing that your gifts were, were being, as you said before, withheld from the world? Um, like you said, it's an experience that you, that I needed to live. Um, I enjoy the people that I helped, especially being bilingual, having the both languages. Um, it definitely became a huge asset for me. The problem again was with, you know, the responsibility you have with yourself to just not work underneath somebody else, not have to, you know, work a nine to five. Um, and then you do more and sometimes, well, being a paralegal is not a nine to five job. You work almost like 24 seven. So let's just get that straight. Right. Um, the burden of the attorney becomes your burden. They just get the credit for their, their hard work. Right. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day though, like I've, I think it's my aspirations that always 
um, made the journey very difficult because I wanted more. I wanted to earn more. I wanted to be more. And I couldn't because I was capped, right? Just like always, you're just capped. This is how much you were willing to pay you. And then a lot of it is, you know, you have to have so much accolades and degrees and this and that. And, and I just, again, I just wanted to be me and be able to use that because I don't believe you can be, you, you know, you have to be, to be successful, you have to have all of the accolades and all the recognitions and all the things. I mean, it's always nice to have, but I feel like it, it's from within, your essence from within, and that's what attracts people and that's what makes you successful. So I love my experience there. I learned so much right when I came out of paralegal school and graduated as one. I still use it once in a while. Um, so it, it's just, it's been a great asset uh, to have. And, you know, I did a lot of criminal law and personal injury stuff. And those and still people ask me, hey, Jazz, can you please tell me the process before I hire somebody else, you know, or blah, 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 and, and oh, asking me for referrals and whatnot. So it's useful. Mm -hmm. Right. And even in my own journey, any legal issues I um, hopefully I don't have, but, you know, I, I already know how to respond um, either way. It's just simpler, you know, when you know it. And, and it's always an asset to have. I don't take anything from it. Um, like, for example, like I don't I, I don't underestimate the opportunity that I had. I think it was a valuable experience, but it was just an experience that had to come to its term, um, mm -hmm. you know, for me to be where I am right now. Yeah. And I think the dots always connect in hindsight as they did for me in terms of at the time, me personally, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a joyous time for me working at the law firm. And that has nothing to do with the firm, has nothing to do with my boss or the people I worked with. They were all wonderful and phenomenal. Yeah. For me, it was just my personal headspace. But looking back, there are skills that I did get from my time there that have been so valuable and so applicable to what I do now in today's world. So I am thankful for the experience. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that experience, I want to jump into kind of now recent with everything you've been doing. We mentioned the entrepreneurial spirit and how you mentioned, I wanted to talk about the, uh, you said it and I had to write it down, real estate and production. Because yeah. um, Jess and I, I mean, and I've noticed a lot more of these videos on YouTube. Jess and I will turn on YouTube and just play houses. Like we will just play houses after houses. And I think the real estate business should be paying attention to a little bit more production and how it can not only set them apart from their composition, but really kind of give folks an experience before they even become a buyer. Yes, 100%. And the thing is that I'm going to go back to why I niched it to kind of that industry and what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, growing up for me, it was always my, uh, my dream to make sure that my mother and my, well, my parents were well taken care of, right. That eventually that their houses is paid, that all of the, I can buy them a house that they really, truly like, you know, can retire in and whatnot. And I've seen always in, in TV, you know, these big, beautiful houses and, you know, you get enamored with it and then you start learning how important and, you know, an investment in real estate is millionaires, billionaires, you know, their big pocket or their dime is in real estate. And, you know, it, it's just, I love seeing houses. Like I've had, mm -hmm. I have friends that are in the real estate business that like luxury homes they just let me walk in and just, I'm like, oh my God, you know, and one day I will like be able to afford something like this. And the people like in my, you know, minority industries, there's so much education that needs to be uh, like provided by these professionals 
to allow them to say like, hey, just because you're Latino, just because you're black or just because you're Asian doesn't mean that, you know, this is just for a certain market. Like, this is why you should invest in something like this. This is what it means for the legacy that you li live behind. Mm -hmm. So I've always loved production, obviously coming from a theatrical background, right? Coming from movies and acting and writing. That's always part of my passion. And into the marketing and advertisement arena, I do all the writing. You know, I recently hired a fulfillment team. We're doing a lot of graphic designs and everything. I'm investing in me and perfecting my craft. So all of it is using my gifts, you know. And when you hear the success stories of my clients, you know, it, it brings me joy. Because then, you know, I'm like, dang, I'm helping your business grow. And then you're helping me grow my business, right? So business owner arena, we came into that. And then just recently, I was like, let me just like, there's this real estate thing in me. So let me go with, you know, helping real estate agents to like get that mark. And I want them to be also comfortable with meeting other Latino leads, meeting other minority families that they can help, diversifying the way they do business. I started to um, do Zoom calls like you, right, with professionals, educational platform of let's teach these people, right? Let's teach community the perception that real real estate agents have, you know, what, what the process should look like for them. And they're very excited. They're excited about that, too. So, like, it's always you have to think out of the box. Your production doesn't have to be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, sometimes it's just a quality production that you want. And just launch it on YouTube, launch it on Facebook, launch it on things. Live, so important, you know? Yeah. Be the face of your thing. And the problem I've been running into a lot of is that a lot of people are shy, camera shy, <laughs> right? But if you're an entrepreneur, you can't be camera shy, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's just been fun. I can't, I cannot deny it. Where, where I am right now has been fun because I'm learning more about the industry. Who knows? In the future, I'll invest in a couple of properties and, and you know, do it myself and there's just so many plans that i have and and i'm ex i'm excited about it and it's like everything is accommodating to that point yeah you know everything's coming together yeah and i love seeing that because I, I i've known from day one meeting you you've always dreamed big and since i've met you i've just seen the growth continue so as big as you dream i'm like yeah you're probably gonna surpass that you might want to keep dreaming yeah, and you see, you seem so in touch with the fact that you're such a people person and, and feeding off the energy of others. Where do you think that comes from? Look, I don't know. That's a question that you got to ask my mom. <laughs> um, I remember just growing up. I think it's always been in me. Um, I used to use the broom, like the guitar, the vacuum, like the microphone, and I used to like talk to nothing but the living room sofas, you know. Mm -hmm used to hide behind uh, uh, curtains and talk on the phone like I was talking with people. Like, it's, it's just embedded. I think that's how God created me to be. Um, I love to make a difference in people's lives by just talking to them. It was a time in my life that was very difficult because um, I grew up with an angry father, right? He's definitely changed now, but back then it was half people – um, now that I see that share their story and the impact that that has when you're able to free yourself from it is huge. Um, 
but again, it's a learning process, right? You, you, you learn from your experiences and I love people. I love when people are able to just be a little vulnerable. Like just recently I had a zoom call with a young lady and we were talking about how sometimes we hide behind these business facades. Mm-hmm. Like you can't act a certain way. You can talk a certain way. You can dress a certain way. You can't like everything is so programmed. And I think that there's a time and place for everything. But sometimes you just need to be chill and honest about the situation. You know, you just need to be yourself and, 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 you know, it's your personal brand, but your brand shouldn't shift too drastically. I think people that you come and encounter with, if you're going to do business with them, you're going to have to do business with you, who you are, you know, because your brand is 24 seven. So I feel like it's all, it's all part of getting to know who you are as a person. And when I, I feel more comfortable when another person can just talk to me about their story and then I can say, dang, I can relate to that. I'm not alone in the journey that, you know, we've embarked. And that's amazing. And I look, people, people are very skeptical about trusting other people and other human beings, especially with everything that's going on. But I feel that regardless, you're going to be critiqued, whether you're good, you're bad, or you're ugly. It's just the reality of it. But when you learn to love yourself in all facets of it, telling your story sometimes is just, it's just a breeze. Like for me, it's just become second nature because it's my story to tell. It's my, you know, it's me, it's my journey. So you can't tell me how wrong I was (laughs) for doing such a, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you going to judge me for? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of where um, the No Rain, No Rainbow story started was the very first episode I kind of just shared. I said, hey, listen, this is who I am. I almost failed out of college my freshman year, bounced back from that. I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disease, landed me in the hospital for two weeks, bounced back from that. And I've made a lot of mistakes and I continue to make them. But like here I am on this microphone still talking to you guys and absorbing those mistakes and, and realizing that they're kind of the stepping stones, the failures that got me here. And, you know, it's the thing that I'm thankful for. At the time, it sucked. <laughs> at the time, it wasn't good. Yeah. And, yeah. It, you know, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing at the first broadcast of my podcast, I was like, yeah, after my freshman year of college, I had a 1.9 GPA. I used to hide that because I didn't want people to think of my intelligence being less than what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. You know, but now I'm like, I, I get that don't care what, if you know what my GPA was because that's not a reflection of my intelligence. That was just a reflection of my effort at the time, which was lacking. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. with that being said, um, I think we've all go, gone through those storms. And a question I love to ask on this podcast is what's one of the biggest storms you've been through personally, whether it be in business, whether it be in your life, that gives you confidence to kind of take on the storms that might come in your future? Um, I think one of the biggest ones was... Um, the dealings with my father, the relationship that I had with him. Like I was, I've always been a daddy's girl, even through the, the trials. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of like with him and, and, and other factors of that, um, there's a lot of depravity that came out of other situations in my life. I've seen a lot of violence, um, into my life. And, again, it was all about learning forgiveness. It was all about amending, uh, you know, like learning myself and mending those wounds and, and trying to really heal. Right. But of all of that is learning forgiveness, forgiveness for the other person, also forgiveness with yourself, like, you know, letting go of guilt, letting go because hurt people hurt people. 
Now, it doesn't justify the, the action because I still think that there comes a time that you have to be accountable for the decisions that you make, regardless of the traumas that you go by, because we have the responsibility to break the cycle, but we have to want that for ourselves. So, you know, it, it's just really mending. If I can mend the relationship I have with my father, then every other relationship and other connection should be an easy, breezy, you know, thing to do because yeah. he's one of the people that I, you know, you want to cultivate that relationship the most. He's family. He's, you know, regardless of the mistakes that we do, you know, we always go back to those core values, you know, you honor your father and your mother. Yeah. And that's just the way I was raised. You know, you don't hold things over their heads. They have their own stories and they have their own justifications and reason. But again, it's, you learn, it's like you learn to love, mm-hmm. you know, you learn to love. And when you learn to love, you love yourself. And when you love yourself, you learn, you learn to love others. And the, that's just been one of my biggest, my biggest things is just, to be an overcomer, you have to overcome your own insecurities and your own fears. Yeah. And that's, that, that's always been a challenge. And, you know, I'm still overcoming. And you mm-hmm. overcome your even comparison to other people. Your comparison to other people. Because I tell people, and I preach this all the time, I'm like, I don't believe in any competition because the biggest competition I have is myself. I still have things that I have to work with. And, you know, even if you and I did the exact same thing, I will root for you because at the end of the night, you will never do it the way I do it. And I will never do it the way you do it. You bring an authenticity to the table that's different, that's still going to appeal your audience, right? And um, if, when we learn to embrace it, we learn to embrace community and then we learn to, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just easier. You have these tools. Like I feel light and I'm light because before I used to have this big burden on my shoulders, but now it's like, I mean, what you get, what else, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whatever else comes my way is just, you deal with it. Um, level headed. I'm not really an emotional person. I kind of say things how they are and I kind of level head everything. Like that's the only thing I'm analytical about. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I'm like a free wing, like yeah. whatever, like I go, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's really what it's all about too, is cause you, you can't give what you don't have. So to give love, you need to first have it and you need to have love for yourself. And I think there's a lot of healing that has to happen before that, because when you mention insecurities and, and you mention the things that get to people, uh, really those are, um, a great friend of mine, we were going for a hike and he was talking about, he's like, those are buttons that people push. And when they know they're there, push them. But what if you got rid of the button? You're the operator after all. Mm -hmm. So if you walk into a room and there's a big red button, a white room and just a big red button says, please don't touch the button. I don't know about you. I'm pushing that button. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pushing that button. But so you can't really blame people if they push a button that's there. But what you can do is you can just, you can unplug the button. You can get rid of the button or you can rise above and say, you know what? Yeah, that is, that is a pretty nice red button, isn't it? And you mm-hmm. can push it. Own it, it. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so when we can get to that level of accepting and loving ourselves, owning for the mistakes that we've made in the past, knowing that they don't define our future and we could just kind of say, hey, this is me and this is what I'm here for. Um, you, you down the ride or you down, or you not? I mean, because I'm, I'm, I'm about to go. I think that's a place that a lot of people, I really want the listeners to take that home, that when you get there, you know, life does become easier. The weight does get lifted because the happiness and joy of others is not your responsibility. 
just take mm-hmm. care of yourself and then give as much as you can. Absolutely. With that being said, what are some of the rainbows um, you're currently chasing? I know the big focus with the, the real estate, with the production and helping them, helping mm-hmm. the clients, but what are the, what are the rainbows for jazz coming in the future? Well, um, I'm working in a production myself, uh, just kind of me and outlining kind of my journey in my business. And that's something that's, well, kind of my storyline. That's something that's going to be coming up in YouTube pretty soon. Um, and to be honest, my big rainbow is just growing this business to the point that, you know, I mean, this is my dream, right? Because this will provide me the avenues that I want to keep acting and keep doing all those recording things that I'm so passionate about. And, and, and you know, this is something that would be that I can say is mine that I worked so hard for. Mm-hmm. So this business is kind of where my passion is embedded. And, and it's what I want to see. It's, and the reason I say my business is because I promised my grandmother that everything that I was going to do was going to be for her. And I'm hoping that she sees me succeed where I want to before God willing, anything happens to her. She, if there's a weak spot is that lady. Um, and everything I do is, is really for her. I mean, there's so many things that she's done for all of her uh, grandkids. And if this is a little bit that I can give back to her and, you know, it would mean the world to me. So seeing that I'm success story, seeing that I've overcome obstacles and and we've made it out. I mean, for me would be a huge blessing and I can die happy Mm -hmm. knowing that, man, we worked so hard for something and grandma here, you know, here's this, here's your home or here's that, you know, where where money is not an issue as much anymore and, and I can make her happy and she can be happy. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this, this podcast right here, this episode, this one's for grandma. Yeah. This one's for grandma. Thank you. <laughs> Abuela, it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. Yeah. I'm um, a softie for grandma. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing nothing yeah. wrong with that. I think family is really the, the core of what this is all for, right? This is all mm-hmm. what we go for and what we do it all for. With that being said, how can folks reach out to you and connect with you, Jazz? I know that you're, you're in your hand with a lot of things. Don't think I didn't see you were, were on the set of Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> no, you don't know how jealous I am that <laughs> that you were on the set with Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, it's great. What can I say? <laughs> it was it was so funny because I was telling people the first time I met uh, Will on set, it was remarkable because it was right like like right in front of me, and all I saw his sweat was just glistening. You think sweat can <laughs> glisten? I thought the man was made out of wax this whole time because you know you go to like Madame <laughs> Soul or things like that. Is he real? Is it like yeah. really crazy? <laughs> it was but it was fun. I mean, like again, that's what I love. I, I love those type of things, and and we had fun just getting to meet them and know them, and you know, it's yeah. almost like the whole family. He was, he was yeah. very humble. He was great. It's a great that's experience awesome. overall. That's awesome. that's awesome. I'm jealous. I'm hoping they make it like another one because, like, me and my buddy Dave oh. Baum were like, uh, <laughs> on the bad boy. Like, that's our favorite movie. Bad yeah. boys one, <laughs> two, and, and and for life. <laughs> but yeah, how can folks connect with you and uh, maybe see some of the work that you're doing or maybe get some of, uh, you can maybe see some people and help them out. Yeah, sure thing. Um, you can visit me and my Facebook page at Just Another Season Productions, or you can go ahead and friend me as Jazz Rosales, J-A-S Rosales. Um, you can see on my Instagram, Jazz Productions 89. And my YouTube, Jazz Rosales. You'll see a lot of my music, a lot of uh, my interviews in Spanish. Uh, you'll have it all there. And there's more actually coming up. And you can always uh, shoot me an email at info 
at jazzrosales.com or call me at 864-704-4931. Nice. Yeah. nice. <laughs> Left the number out there too. Well, I'm going to put that all in the show notes so folks can kind of get to it easy. And if they're listening it to the on the uh, iTunes app, they can kind of scroll to it right now and tap any one of those and it will take awesome. them to contact yeah. you. So. Hey, the number is actually 864 What I'm saying, 409 it's a new number I got for the business. Nice. 409-7431. It's yeah. like the, you ever see the radios where they're talking and it's at the end, it's like, all right, for more information, call 864-409-7434. That's 864-409-7431. Yes, yes. Well, awesome. just in case, <laughs> <laughs> Jazz, thank you so much. And uh, to the listeners that made it to the end, there was a lot of value to be taken from this episode. I think you're gonna have to go back and listen to it again. I'm so glad that Jazz spent this time with us and shared some of her knowledge along the way. First, getting that work ethic from her parents. It's so important that we get our work ethic or we see somebody else that we emulate. It doesn't always have to be a parent. It could also be a mentor, but it's great to get that work ethic from somebody around us. And also falling in love with yourself. Jazz said it herself. She says, find your gem. You are the gem and it's, it's not okay to hide your gifts from the world. Share them with the world. These are your words, not mine, Jazz, just so you know. <laughs> also, um, the fact that you could look back at something, Jazz, and you mentioned you were just thankful and happy with the people you helped, that just shows your heart to our listeners. And last but not least, that your brand is 24-7. That's a nugget I think got by a lot of people. I want to make sure that drove home. You might not think anyone's watching, but in the digital age, everybody's watching. Your brand is 24-7. Jazz, thank you one more time. Thank you, Ty. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problem. And to the listeners, thank you. Like we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't have the pleasure without a little pain. Love you, Grandma. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.